Some of you will know that, uh, as I put in the church newsletter, it was a good way to communicate it, that in the last few weeks I had my own slightly sad news, nothing very serious, but that I'd have to undergo the same operation as I thought I'd under, well, I had undergone, hopefully this time with it working sometime in 2018. Uh, and I was talking to a good friend of mine who just happens to have been your former superintendent minister here, Brother Turner, and I said to him, Martin, my one dread is that they'll scan my ankle and it will show nothing up and they'll say, we don't know what's wrong with you, go home and keep taking the tablets. I could really do, I said, with knowing what's wrong with it and that something can be put right with it. Uh, so I was taken aback when the uh, consultant said to me, uh, we're going to have to do this operation and a little bit more all over again. Uh, and I was a bit uh, angry, upset for a few days until I talked to said Minister Martin Turner and he listened and in his usual gruff Essex boy way just sort of said, well, God answered your prayers. <laughs> yes, I said to him exasperatedly, but not in the way I wanted. Because God sometimes answers, this is the first thing, God sometimes answers in a different way to that which you expect. There's that silly preacher story, isn't there, of the flooded area and a man is sitting in his house watching the water rise and as the water reaches the downstairs window, he said, Lord, save me. And lo and behold, a neighbor came round with a small boat and said to him through the window, just jump out here and I'll row us to safety. No, said the man, I'm waiting for the Lord to save me. So he went up to the bedroom, and when the water reached the upstairs window ledge, again he prayed fervently, Lord, he said, Lord, come and save me. And lo and behold, the fire brigade came along with a big motorboat and long ladders. We'll put the ladders across, you just climb across, they said. No, said the man, I'm waiting for the Lord to save me. And the water came up to the roof where he climbed and he went to the top of the chimney and he played, prayed even more fervently. Lord, he said, you always answer prayer, save me. And lo and behold, the police came along in a helicopter and lowered the har harness down to the man and said, look, climb in or you'll drown. No, said the man, I've prayed for the Lord to save me. And the waters rose again, and the man did drown. And he arrived at the pearly gates where the Lord received him. Lord, said the man complainingly, I prayed over and over again that you'd save me, and you did absolutely nothing. What are you talking about, said the Lord? I sent you a neighbor, the fire brigade, and the police. What more do you want? Because God sometimes answers in different ways to what you expect. And secondly, because God knows that sometimes we don't ask for the right things. We don't ask wisely. We pray to God to move our next door neighbor. And God offers us patience. We pray to be successful in our examinations or in our work. And God urges us to study hard. 
We pray for healing of our degraded ankle. And God says, just go have it operated on. And so on. How often are our prayers to God, almighty God, like some kind of shopping list? We know what we'd like. We know what's best. We even think we know what's on offer this week. And we give God the list. Sometimes we're like a person who knows that we need to diet and yet puts loads of chocolate on the shopping list and then gets angry when God says, no, there's no chocolate. He doesn't answer our prayers, we say. You're not asking for the right things, says the Lord gently. Another silly story of a young girl coming home from school. Have you had a good day, says her mum. Okay, I suppose, she said. I'm going up to my bedroom to pray. This is so unusual that mum goes upstairs a few minutes later and hears her daughter saying over and over again, Lord, Tokyo, Tokyo, Tokyo. So she goes in and asks what's happening. Oh, I had a test at school today, said the daughter. And I think I got an answer wrong, so I'm praying to God that God will make Tokyo the capital of China. (laughs) One time the disciples were squabbling about who would get the best seats in heaven. I want the one on the left, said James. All right, then I'll have the one on the right, said John. Can you arrange that for us, Lord? No way, lads, says the Lord. Wrong request. And if we're honest, we know full well that we can make inappropriate and unwise prayer requests. And if we're really honest, we know that there have been times in our lives when we've prayed something and we've looked back and had to say to ourselves, thank God goodness that the Lord did not grant that request because thirdly sometimes our prayers are not so much wrong as they're just mistimed sometimes God says to us whoa slow down just wait a little bit When I was very young, my grandma, Grandma Ada, used to look after us until my parents got home from work. Being good northern folk, we would eat tea at tea time. And she would call us in from playing with other children and we'd wash our hands and sit round the table and eat. And as young boys do, we'd wolf down the meal, anxious to get back outside to our mates And therefore, after an inordinately short space of time, I'd often turn around and say, Grandma, Grandma, can I go back out now? I can remember this. I'll tell you exactly as she said it. She said, no. People will think you've come in, kick the table leg and run out again. You can stay there a bit. Let your tea settle. Or the proverbial in the car, are we there yet? Not yet. And when we get older into adulthood, we don't get much better at being told, no, not yet. But sometimes that's the right answer. And sometimes our prayers 
are mistimed. And fourthly, sometimes our prayers are misdirected. Two young lads were spending the night at their grandparents and at bedtime they knelt by their beds to say their prayers and the youngest one began praying at the top of his lungs. Lord, I pray for a new bike and I pray for a new game console and I pray for a new football and his brother nudged him in the ribs and said, what are you shouting for? God isn't deaf. The little lad said, no, he's not, but grandma is. It's called praying with the window open. Letting your needs be known to other people. Whereas prayers are to the Lord. And sometimes only the Lord actually need know of them. The Lord is the only object, proper object of prayer. And then fifthly, some prayer appears unanswered because no is an answer. When I became an argumentative teenager, I would reason, I would complain, I would moan until my dad said in that certain kind of voice, Martin, when are you going to take no for an answer? If we do not hear the answer we want to hear, we usually conclude it's no answer at all. But it is an answer. It's no. Very often in the realm of prayer, God is not the one with the hearing problem. We are. Oh, God often says, yes, let's go in response to our prayers. But besides go, God also says no or slow. And in each case, only obedience causes us to grow in our prayers. And lastly, sixthly, God leaves our prayers apparently unanswered because God has something better than what we're actually asking for. We can't see it or know it, but God is doing something in our lives to bring about a blessing or a response to us or sometimes to other people. What is it Isaiah writes? My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as far as the heavens are high above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And God sometimes allows long periods to pass in order for us to learn and know good things. I once asked somebody in a different time of my life why it had taken several years for a person to say God has answered my prayers. And with a a sort of winsome simplicity he looked at me and said there was no point God answering it before now. Now is the time I needed it answered. Prayer has some hard lessons to teach because love always includes pain. Because sickness and illness in our lives is not a sign of God's lack of love for us. Because sometimes 
it's the most profound and painful experiences that are the platforms from which God does something truly wonderful. St. Paul had many good reasons for believing God would deliver him from a thorn in the flesh that he was suffering from. It's usually understood to be either a person, because even in English, if you read that passage, the first sentence referring to the thorn in the flesh seems to be personal, a messenger from Satan. Uh, And other people said it was not a person at all who... uh, probably was an enemy of Paul's ministry if that's what it was but it wasn't a person it was a physical condition because it's then referred to as it and it's impersonal many people thought for a long while how can we know whether they're right or wrong that Paul had epilepsy but Paul's serving God he has a call from God to be an apostle. Christ has appeared to him in person on the Damascus road. God must know how much more good work for God Paul could do if this thorn in the flesh is removed. It's a no-brainer. And yet God doesn't remove the thorn. Instead, God says, yes, Paul, Saint Paul if you like, I know you've got a thorn in your flesh. I know it's deeply affecting your life. So listen, this is what I'm saying to you. My grace is and will be sufficient for you. Now that's it. So stop asking, change your praying and get on with it. And Paul came to see that God's grace, God's better way and better will and better timing was all right. It's not easy, but it is the case sometimes for Paul and for us. Prayer often does seem to be unanswered. It's not a magic trick and it's not a pagan incarnation. And this sermon has not plumbed the depths of such unanswered prayer. But prayer is answered much more than we often think is the case. When God answers a different way to that we expect, when we realize that we're asking for the wrong things and begin to ask for the right things, when we get our sense of timing better, when we learn to direct our prayers at God and nobody else, when we realize and accept that sometimes the answer is no, and when we live to know that God had indeed something better for us all along, and at one time for us all, even the promise of heaven. Of course, the supreme example of getting prayer right, of understanding all this, isn't actually St. Paul. It's Jesus, God's son. The one in the whole world, in the whole of human history, who could more than anybody else lay claim to know God's will, to demand that his prayers be answered who one day takes himself off from his friends in a garden and prays so hard that the scriptures say it is like drops of blood pouring from his forehead. And what is the prayer? Father, take this cup from me. 
but not my will, but yours be done. And the faith to pray like that and live accordingly is the way of Jesus. Amen.